Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you join us as we continue our series, If Only I'd... Today, Youth Pastor David Sauer asks if we've figured out how to live our lives with no regrets. We're reminded that we need to take time to count the cost of following Jesus. Listen as we're challenged with the question, what happens when our purpose crosses paths with Jesus' purpose for us? Good morning, Bay Hills. What is going on? What a great day. You know, I, I went to Walmart one day, and um, like many of you, I, I was there, and it was a great sale. They, there was a barbecuer on sale. It was like $189 for this four-burner stainless steel barbecuer. It was like the deal of the century. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait. I'm going to go. I went there, and I bought it. And, and, and they had a little sticker that said, for $10 more, have it assembled. I'm like, first of all, I'm a tightwad. Second of all, I can do this myself because I'm a man. And so I got home and I started putting it together. And you know how us guys are. We don't read the instructions. <laughs> I get it together. Those things cut up my hands like crazy. I mean, I, my, I was all bloody. I had band-aids everywhere. But by golly, I was going to have this thing together by the end of the day. It was like two and a half, three hours later. I kind of had it together. I actually had to go get more pieces. I had sheet metal things I needed to weld to it, you know. It was a crazy experience. Why? Because I didn't count the cost. <laughs> I didn't realize how valuable $10 would have been and have the guy in the back of Walmart that puts those together in his sleep do it for me. I didn't count the cost. I had a few regrets. I, I saw a picture of, um, of this bridge, and it reminded me of bridges in the area that aren't quite finished. And I always ask myself, why do they get it almost complete? Is it because the freeway that it's going to roll into isn't complete? Is it because they ran out of money? Is it because they, they didn't have enough concrete to finish the job? I, I, I don't know. I also one time was in a restroom and I saw a, a very similar situation to this and, and I thought, oh, okay. I don't even think that's code, but I'm just saying, okay, ladies, this is why men go to the bathrooms by themselves. I'm just saying. And then I realized that there's probably a lot of things in, in the world that have been maybe, um, you know, haven't kind of followed the plan very well. And, you know, both sides of the lake in this case, um, they didn't quite work off of the same set of blueprints. I can imagine the one guy's over there, okay, just, just jump, it'll be okay. And then this house is in Richmond. Um, and I just... <laughs> Really? No, I don't know if that's in Richmond. I'm just teasing you, Richmond people. Uh, I live in Hercules, you know. <laughs> we have our own problems. But can you imagine, like, honey, they're putting a new telephone pole out by the house. Getting home from work, like, really? Wow. Okay. Was the house there first or the telephone pole? I, yeah. But isn't it like us that there are things that happen that we don't know why they happen or maybe because we didn't follow the directions or maybe we ran out of money or maybe they just other plans got in the way i don't know but we don't often count the costs and and today we're going to we're going to share a parable about an unfinished tower what it takes to count the costs of following jesus in luke chapter 14 if you have your uh, bibles or if you want to grab one from under the chair luke chapter 14 that's in the new testament uh, for those of you that may be here for the first time, welcome. 
by the way, my name is Dave Sauer, and I'm the youth pastor here at Bay Hills. Our other Dave will be back in a few weeks from sabbatical. And uh, wasn't worship great this morning? Wasn't that just, just phenomenal? Yes. I think that was Joy's family clapping. Okay, everybody else can clap too. It's okay. Um, we just are so blessed in having a testimony that Todd gave. I just, I was just, uh, I was backstage watching that. I was, I was blessed by that. So thank you for putting those together. Um, but if you're there, let's read this together. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Verse 31. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able... He will, or he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you have, everything you have cannot follow and not be my disciples. Verse 34, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for soil nor for manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever hears, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today, Lord, um, as, we, uh, break, as we break into your word today, Lord, as we dissect this, Lord, I, Father, I just pray that you would penetrate our hearts, that you would mold us and shape us, Lord, that we would walk away with no regrets today, that we would understand that following you has a cost, it, it has a price, and that as we look at that price, Lord, we make, a, we make great decisions today to be all in for you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't know about you guys, but I really like these, uh, these Jesus movies that are coming out. And they've been coming out for a while. I mean, there was that one way back in the 70s where it was the, you know, it was the Jesus thing. It was kind of cheesy. But I love that movie. And, and I love the passion. And, and I love the new Son of God movie. And what I really like is, is, the, is the second act in those, in those movies. You know, it's the, it's the Jesus that is the healer, he's the teacher, he's the feel-good Jesus, everybody loves him, all the kids are playing around him, everybody's having fun with Jesus, it's a, it's a really good kind of cool scene. He's kind of like Jesus, you know, it's Jesus the superstar. And, and I, want, I want to kind of stop watching at that point, because I love the feel-good Jesus. But this parable that we're reading here it really does kind of take place at the height of his celebrity there's there's a lot of people at 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 where jesus is speaking and but yet he doesn't speak to them very like like he used to in fact he's he's with this large crowd and and they're there to celebrate passover and and they think that he's the he's the messiah he's the coming king they think he's going to rescue them from the roman empire that's what they really think is going to happen and then Jesus does it. Jesus hits the third act and he lays it down. He, he's not the feel-good Jesus anymore. He's not the Jesus that is there going, oh, you're so cute, you little kid. He's no say. He's, he doesn't, he's, he's like the Jesus now 
all of a sudden becomes a little bit about hate. He says, he says, hate your mom. Hate your dad. Hate your wife. Hate your husband. Hate your kids. Hate your brother. Hate your sister. Hate your neighbor. Hate yourself. That's a lot of hating. Jesus went from this guy that was loving everybody and love your neighbor and honoring your father and mother to all of a sudden a Jesus that is about hating. And aren't we supposed to? Aren't we supposed to honor our father and mother and love our wives like Christ loved the church? I think we are. We're supposed to. It says in Ephesians 5.25, if we look at God's Word, it says in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Now I know some of you right now are freaking out because you have one of these things and you're like, wait, he didn't go to point one. (laughs) Right? You're like, oh, he didn't go to point one. We will get back to that. I did that purposefully. In fact, I learned that from Pastor Dave. And we're going to get back to that. So, so be ready. We'll get back to that at some point for all of you OCD people like me. You're like, he didn't go to point one. We're on point two. First, or it says, aren't we supposed to honor our father and mother and love our wives as Christ loved us? Yes. Yes, we are. But it also says, you've you, 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 you got to hate your neighbor. Well, yeah, first Jesus says to love your neighbor. In one, in one text and then another here, he says, he says to hate your neighbor, to hate yourself. And don't we read in, in, in passages like Mark, in, in Mark 12, 31, it says the second is, you know, love God first. And the second is just as important, love your neighbor as yourself. This is no commandment. There's no commandment greater than these. Love God and love people. But yet Jesus just told us to hate. Jesus just told us to hate. But see, in Jewish culture in that day, the word hate wasn't just the word like we recognize it as an emotional word, as something that's stirred up as, from anger or because somebody wronged us or, or we just don't like somebody. We don't like the way they look, the way they smell, the way they dress or whatever. We look at it as an emotional word. But back in Jewish culture, in the Jewish day, that word wasn't used exclusively for hate. Or just to describe an emotion. It was also used to express a lesser love. A lesser love. A lesser devotion. A lesser loyalty to those that we care about. See, Jesus isn't saying, hate your neighbor. Hate your brother. Hate your sister. Hate your mom. Hate your dad. What he's saying is, love me more than you love them. Love me more than you love your kids. Love me more than you love your spouse. Love me more than you love your neighbor. Because everybody loved what Jesus was saying. I can love them and I can love them. And what became the pattern was that we were, we were loving people, we were loving things more than we were loving Jesus. Jesus isn't talking about emotion here. He's talking about submission. He's talking about us submitting to Him. He's talking about us being submissive to Him. Whenever the advice or authority of a close relation conflicts with Christ, we need to choose Jesus. 
whenever our kids tell us we need to choose this, we need to choose Jesus. Whenever our family interferes with what Jesus is asking us to do, we need to choose Jesus. We need to choose Jesus. In fact, uh, probably a better text to, to describe it is it says in Matthew 10, 37 and 38, it says, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who doesn't take care, take his cross up and follow me is not worthy of me. See, back in the day, rabbis demanded great respect. They demanded loyalty. But there was no one greater than God. And no one demanded greater loyalty than God. Right? So here's Jesus, and he's preaching to all these people. He's telling them about what's going on, and they need to hate this, and they need to love him more. And the rabbis are out there going, what is he talking about? See, Jesus was preaching, and he was signing his own death sentence by saying what he was saying. By preaching what he was preaching. He was saying, you need to follow me more than the rabbi and because he was God. And they didn't like that. Only God demanded that kind of respect. Only God demanded that kind of loyalty. See, Jesus lists three things, true disciples, and true discipleship will cost. First, it's my utmost loyalty. I have to be completely sold out, completely loyal To be his follower, I have to be completely loyal to Jesus. Secondly, it's my very life. I have to to be willing to give my very life to follow Jesus. He says we must carry our cross and follow him. We must carry our cross and follow him. Isn't that kind of an eerie illustration? Him knowing what is coming? Him knowing that, that, that a, a short time from them, he is going to be carrying his cross, which is the cross he carried for us. That's eerie. It sure doesn't bring happy thoughts to me. It sure doesn't bring the warm and fuzzy, like, let's sit around the campfire, boys and girls, and sing Kumbaya. Like, okay. That's not what it really brings to mind. Because see, in those days, crucifixion was a very familiar sight. It wasn't like they never saw somebody carrying that big piece of timber over their shoulders. That was a regular occurrence in those days. In fact, it was regular, and they would line the streets, and they would ridicule people. They would spit on them. They would mock them while they were doing it. Just like they did to Jesus. That horizontal beam that they were taking to a vertical stake where they would be tortured and they would die. Jesus doesn't want a commitment that expects only blessings, only good times, only great things to happen. He wants a commitment that we're willing to die to ourselves, that we're willing to be living sacrifices. He must be first amongst our priorities. He must be first. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. But this is his word. See, 
whenever my will crosses his will, I must, I must be willing to submit my ambition to his ambition. When my will crosses his will, I must be willing to submit my ambition to his ambition. Here's the thing. I was, I was in my, I was in my twenties, mid twenties. And I, and I had a gentleman approach me about, about, um, going to work for him. And his name was Lyle. And Lyle was one of the foremost experts in the entire United States on fire apparatus, fire apparatus. Those are fire engines, fire trucks. And he, and, and he invited me to come on his team and work with him. And he was going to teach me and train me and show me the ropes and let me, let me in on everything that he knew about fire engines. And so we did. And I became one of his top reps. I was, I was uh, covering part of the state of Washington. It was really good. I was having a great time. And then Lyle decided to retire. And so what did that leave for me? It left me an opportunity to start my own business. And, 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 and so I was able to start a fire truck dealership. Yes, a fire truck dealership. I sold big red fire engines. And I had, I had the state of Washington, part of Canada, a little bit of Idaho, and a little bit of Oregon were my territories. And I, I, I was becoming very successful. This was my path that I had laid out for myself. I was going to have this successful business, take care of my family. We were doing about $3 million a year in business and things were going really, really well. And then my path, my purpose crossed with Jesus' purpose and I had to be willing to submit my ambition, my fire truck business, to what his will was for my life. And so in my mid-30s, 37, Jesus said, you're going into full-time ministry. I said, no, I ain't. I'm not going into full-time ministry. They don't pay anything. I said, yes, you are. And I yielded to his will, and I went into full-time ministry. Now, most people at that age, you're not looking at, you're looking at, okay, if I do this right and play my cards right here, I can retire in like 10 years, maybe 12. I can have people running my business. All I'm going to be doing is cashing a paycheck. It's not what God had planned. Turned my business over to a good friend of mine. He still has it today. Um, And I'm in full-time ministry. And I'm not looking back. I loved what I did. It was fun doing what I did. I got to drive around big red fire engines. It was cool. I had people waving me down on the road because they get in a car wreck, but our, our insurance wouldn't cover it if I stopped. So I just waved at them back. Hey, good to see you. <laughs> True story, outside of Woodland, California one day, I picked up a demo in, in Woodland and I was driving back up to Washington and uh, I was driving down the freeway and a car was just massively on fire. And they're like waving, thinking I'm the fire truck to come get them and save them and put their fire on. I was like, you know, I waved. I was, I, and I called 911. It wasn't like I didn't call or anything, but it was, you know, it's kind of like, those poor people, they, they're cussing at the fire department right now. So the language they're using is not appropriate. Oh. But it costs. What does it cost? It costs my loyalty. It costs my life. And like verse 33 says in our text today, it costs everything else. Are we starting to get the picture? All it costs is everything to follow Jesus. There's no room for compromise. There's no room for concession. You either give your life to him completely or you keep it to yourself. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So whenever my will crosses his will, I must be willing to submit my ambition 
to his ambition. To put a person, possession, a plan, a business, a family, to put anything above the Lord is idolatry. And the cost of following Jesus is tested in our lives again and again because of the world we live in. But again and again, he accepts our apology. He forgives us again and again, over and over again, undeservedly. He continues to say yes to us. He continues to say, it's okay, I forgive you. What is the cost? You know, I remember a commercial that came out a few years ago by uh, Visa. And uh, it was this guy who was getting a tattoo of his girlfriend on his arm. And he gets in there. And, and Well, in fact, instead of me telling you about it, let's just watch it. Oh, what's the cost? Jesus wants us to count the cost before we make the commitment. He wants us to count the cost. He wants us to understand what being all in really means. He wants us to understand what being sold out followers of Jesus really means. I read a good book recently called Not a Fan. And in that book, a guy, Kyle Eidelman, wrote that. And in that book, he talks about not just being a fan, not just being somebody that sits in the crowd and cheers on the church, but being someone that it's a sold out, committed follower to Jesus that is all in. And what does that look like? Jesus wants us to count the cost before we make the commitment. Luke 14, 28 says, suppose, again, we're going to back to the text. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to, to complete it? The first thing I would do when I walk into a fire department is I would ask them what their budget was. How much do you have to spend? And then they tell me, oh, we have 300,000 or we have uh, 250,000 or whatever it was. And then they give me the list of the things they wanted. And the first thing I would do was identify the list and see if it would fit within their budget, right? So, so you, before you complete it, for if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. See, in, in those days, you know, it'd be like, a, well, it kind of be a fire, like I'll use a fire department example. It'd be like if I rolled in a fire truck with just the cab and the chassis and no fire pump, no water tank and no body for them to put any of the equipment in. People would laugh at the fire department. They'd roll up and say, hey, we're here with our fire engine. Can you put my fire out? Nope. Can't touch it. And in those days, they would build watchtowers to watch over their fields because they would have, this is how the enemy worked in those days. They were sneaky. Our enemies aren't this sneaky anymore, are they? Well, I think they are. But they would, the enemy would sneak into a, to a, a, a foreign land and they would plant weeds amongst the wheat fields. And what this would do is these weeds would grow up along with the wheat. It's called Darnell was the true name for those. The Darnell would grow up within the wheat and then they would harvest the wheat. They would cook up the wheat. They'd, they'd mash it. They'd do all the things they do to it. And then they'd cook it up and then we would eat it and get really sick and die. And they would poison us with the weeds. The thing is, the weeds looked just like the wheat. The weeds looked almost identical to the wheat. You couldn't, from a farmer's perspective, you couldn't tell the difference until you harvested them, let them dried out. And what would they do? The weeds would turn black. And then you could pick them out one at a time and burn them so that nobody would be poisoned. So they built these towers 
And, and imagine back then when a, when a farmer would build a tower, if he didn't complete it, all of his neighbors would laugh at him. <laughs> you didn't finish your tower. <laughs> Look at you. You ran out of money, didn't you? Why didn't you calculate the cost? People didn't want to be ridiculed. People didn't want to be laughed at, just like today. We don't want to be ridiculed. We don't want to be laughed at. So they built the tower. If they didn't have the funding, they wouldn't even start it. They wouldn't even begin. So here's the thing. Christ is our foundation. If we begin to build a a life on Jesus and then abandon Him or we just show up to church and and aren't really sold out, not only does our faith look foolish, but our Savior is slandered and God is dishonored. The onlooker in our culture will see a half-built, hypocritical church and question our credibility, our authority, our reliability, our integrity, the trustworthiness of the gospel that we proclaim. You know, every day I drive by this building in Hercules. I drive by it, and I wonder, did they run out of money? Did they run out of vision? They built the foundation. Are we laughing at that guy? Is he really going to get Apple in there? If you're here today, please get Apple in there. That would be so awesome. But I don't think those people have a lot of credibility in the eyes of the people that live in Hercules right now because that thing sat empty for so long. What kind of credibility do we have as churches, and I'm talking the big C, not the little C, as churches with our community? The king. The king who goes to war. He has 10,000 versus 20,000. He's going to need a strategic plan. He has determination and perseverance. It's not, the, it's not only his life hanging in the balance. It's also the lives of all the people he impacts. If we look at the next part of the story, we see this king. He's going to go to war with 10,000 men, or he's going to find out how he can have peace by negotiating a settlement. He's not going to go into war with only 10,000 men fighting 20,000 without some kind of strategy, without some kind of plan, maybe even a plan that involves surrender or a peace settlement. See, are we going to go into battle without being ready? Are we going to go into battle without a plan? Are we going to fight the fight without knowing what it takes? When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus' plan was follow me. It wasn't go get all your stuff taken care of. Make sure your family's all ready to go. Jesus' plan was say yes to me, go all in, period. Period. And if we, look at, if we look at those stories and we look at it and, you know, the rich man came to Jesus and said, what do I have to do to follow? He said, well, you know, you did this, you did this, this, but give up everything and follow me. And he walked away with his head down. In another story, we see, we see a, you know, a man comes up to Jesus. What do, what do I have to do to follow you, Jesus? And, and Jesus says, you know, basically what you have to do is, is he, and the guy wanted to go bury his own dead. He wanted to wait until his dad was dead so he could get his inheritance. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their own. And follow me. Follow me. See, Jesus doesn't want us going in, going back home and packing up all of our stuff and loading our car up with everything we own and say, okay, wait, Jesus, I'm going to go home and I'm going to pack it up and I'm going to have this car like this one, like with everything on it. 
I've got all my stuff. Let's go, Jesus. No, what did Jesus continue to say? He said, leave your tunic, leave your purse, go with nothing. Because I want all of you. It's either all or nothing. And then we get into the saltiness. Salt is good, but it loses its saltiness. How can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Saltiness. There's a, uh, in the Dead Sea, there's a, there's a time of the year where, where things kind of evaporate and, and gypsum forms along with salt. If you know what gypsum is, it's what they make sheetrock out of, okay? But it's very, it, in, its, in its natural form, it's very much like salt. It's very granular. It's, uh, it feels like salt. It looks like salt. It, it, it fools people. It's like fool's gold. It's fool's salt. And what they would do in those days is they'd, they'd go and harvest the salt, but, it, but part of it was gypsum. And they couldn't use it for anything. They couldn't, they couldn't preserve their foods with it. They couldn't add flavor to anything with it. They couldn't really use it for anything. They couldn't even add it to their manure because believe it or not, they used to add salt to their manure to make the manure last until they had to go tend to their fields. And so the gypsum was basically useless. It would just be thrown on the ground to be trampled over. A faith without saltiness, a faith without flavor is useless. In fact, Jesus makes a very strikingly blunt point. He basically is saying, if you're an uncommitted follower, if you're somebody that hasn't gone all in and you're just going through the motions, just Jew in church, just doing the right thing, then we're not even fit to be mixed with the manure. That's what he's saying. If we look at what Paul said, Paul said in Philippians, he said, but whatever my gains were, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I now consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider all things dung. I consider all things waste. See, how do we know if something is salty? It preserves. It adds flavor. It's useful. Do we cause others to thirst for Jesus? Are people thirsty for Jesus after they're around us? Are people thirsty for Jesus when we're talking to them, are people thirsty for Christ? Do we cause others to thirst for Jesus? And we have to ask ourselves, do we cause others to thirst for Jesus? Is progress being made on our foundation? Are we making progress on that watchtower? Are we making progress in that building? Or have we kind of left it unfinished? And do they see us marching on to war? Do they see us negotiating with that other army? Do they see us understanding what it takes to be a follower of Jesus? Do they see us marching onward to war? See, what it really is, is it's time for us to accept, to repent, and to realign. 
Are we ready? If we, if we haven't yet, are we ready to make a decision and say yes to Jesus for the very first time? Are we ready to repent and say, Jesus, I haven't been living all for you. Are we ready to do that for maybe the 101st time? And are we ready to realign, to say, I'm dialed back in, Lord. I'm going to be all in for you. So there's a story about a pig and a chicken. Don't worry, this isn't a bar story, I promise. A pig walked into the bar with a chicken. No, this isn't that story. A pig walked into the farmer's, uh, into the barn with a chicken. And the pig and the chicken were talking, and they said, we love our farmer. We love, the, we love what he's doing. He's our boss. We love him. We're loyal to him. And we, he loves breakfast. It's his favorite meal. And I think we should make him, make him eggs, the chicken says. And what goes better with eggs? There's nothing that goes better with eggs than bacon. Are you all in, pig? Are we all in? See, for the pig, it's a full commitment. For the chicken, it's just a contribution. But for the pig, he has to go all in. He's not going to give over the leg and, the, and then the other leg and then the hanger. He's all in. Are we making, this is where that first point comes back in. Am I making, are we making a contribution or a full commitment? Are we all in or are we just showing up because it, you know, it feels good to go to church today? Are we just going to small group because it's probably the right thing to do? Or are we really all in? See, I'm going to invite the worship band to come back up and, and as they work their way back up here, they're going, to play a little, they're going to play a little bit of a song. But it says, it finishes up in verse 35, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Are you hearing this today? In Acts 4, it says, no other name but the name of Jesus No other name under heaven but the name of Jesus can you be saved. There's no other name. There's no other person. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, this isn't about an emotional decision. This is about a submissive decision. And you have two decisions you can make today. And maybe you've already made the first one. And that is, I'm all in. And I'm going to be all in yesterday, today, and forever. And maybe that's you today. Or maybe, you, maybe you're, you're in that role, but you haven't been all in for a while. And you've had distractions in your life and things have gotten in the way. And you need to say, I'm, I'm back. Or maybe you need to be all in for the very first time. You need to say yes to Jesus for the very first time. You've never made a commitment to follow him. So the worship team is going to play for us for a few minutes. And I want you to pray about that. Think about that. Dwell on that. And then I'll come back up here and invite you to make one of those decisions.
You know, God's word says that if you profess me in front of man, that I will profess you before my Father in heaven. And really we have kind of three things on the table. You're already all in. You're already there. And I'm not going to do some close your eyes, bow your heads, nobody's peeking. God's word says to profess you, profess him before man. That means people see it. So if you're already all in, you're like, I'm already all in, Dave. I'm ready to go. Let's do this thing. We're doing it already. I'm all in. Raise your hand right now. You're already all in. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. There's so many of you. And the second one is, Dave, I've been playing games. I have not been all in. I've been playing church. Jesus is my Savior, but that's about it. If that's you today, just raise your hand high so we can all see that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And the third one, and this is the tough one. Dave, Jesus is tugging on my heart, and I know it, and I've never said yes. You don't have to say some special prayer. You don't have to do some weird confession thing. Just say yes to him. And if that's you today, if this is your very first time and you want to say yes to Jesus, just raise your hand up high. Let us see you today. Let the people around you see you today. Thank you right there. Thank you. Thank you back there. Let me pray. Father, as we continue in worship, Lord, we thank you for great decisions. We're so honored that you would even allow us to go all in with you. We don't deserve it. We are sinners only saved by your grace. And Father, as we live with no regrets, as we live all in, Lord, I pray we would leave here today knowing that trials may come, troubles may come, but that we would continue to turn to you. And Lord, as those people that said yes to you for the very first time, as your angels are rejoicing, as we are rejoicing with you, Lord, I pray that you would show them favor. You would know that they are not walking this journey alone, that they have a family here that's walking with them. And more importantly, they have you that's walking with them. Lord, we truly do love you because you first loved us unconditionally. In your son's name, amen. It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, is radically committed to reaching the unchurched in the Bay Area and to developing believers into fully devoted followers of Christ. Thanks again for listening.